0: Welcome to It's a Good Life podcast, where it's all about helping entrepreneurs think, feel, and do better. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to It's a Good Life. Have you ever heard the phrase, be, watch your P's and Q's? Well, we are going to take that to a whole new level today. We have a very special guest. Her name is Vanessa Van Edwards. I was first introduced to her by a great friend of mine who sent me her TED Talk in London. And she is a dynamic communicator herself. She just wrote a best-selling book called Cues, The Master, the Secret of Charismatic Communication. And uh, she is the leader at uh, the Science of People and lead investigator there. Her mission is to help introverts leverage their strengths, show high achievers how to activate their secret skills and teach awkward people to feel more confident. I'm a little bit of all three, so I can't wait for this. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with us today.
1: You are so charismatic. You're not awkward. <laughs> you don't need me.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much. And we're going to dive in and we, we've been wrestling through the book here. I'm excited about it. some great stuff in here. But before we dive into that, give us a little bit about your background, where you grew up and how you ended up in behavioral science.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, I was always scratching my own itch. I like to joke that I'm a recovering awkward person. And I have a kind of a odd social predicament, which is that I tend to misinterpret cues. Specifically, I tend to think that neutral cues are negative. So I would leave a dinner or a party and my husband would be sitting with me in the car and I would say, she's really mad at me. And he'd be like, what? No, she wasn't mad at you. I'd say, did you see? She looked so angry. And I learned that I, my cue decoder was off. And so I wondered very early on if there was a way that we could study for cues like we study for a foreign language. Was there a universal code to the nonverbal signals we send, the vocal signals we send, the verbal signals we send? So 17 years ago, uh, I started my journey beginning to catalog these cues. Little did I never guess it would have been useful for anyone but me. I started off just making them for myself. And I realized that I thought that charisma was an innate trait. I thought that you had to be born with it or you weren't. But luckily, anyone can learn to be charismatic. And so that's my mission.
0: Oh, wow. Well, let's dive into that. Uh, Let's talk about the most basic starting point. You know, what is a cue? Ah, goodness, yes. A
1: cue is a social signal that humans send to each other. And what we don't realize is we are constantly sending these cues back and forth, thousands a day. And there are actually four different types of cues. So there's the words we use and those signal certain things to the world. But there's also our nonverbal, our facial expressions, our gesture, our posture. There's also our vocal. And this is one of my favorites. I think we don't think about it a lot. Our tone, our pace, our cadence. For example, if someone were to walk into a meeting and say, I'm so happy to be here, <laughs> you would know just based on the tone that the words don't match. And so what we're looking for for cues is are they congruent? Do the words match the nonverbal, the vocal, and the last one is imagery. That's the colors we wear, the things behind us in our background, the props we hold in our profile pictures, those all signal to the world how we want to be treated. And I think that that's my, my big mission with cues is that I think so many people are underestimated or overlooked or doubted, and it's because they're just sending the wrong signals. And if we learn how to send the right signals, we teach the world how we want to be treated.
0: And, you know, I think as far as timeliness, I have six kids, right? And from age 30 to 20. Yes. And obviously they're far more connected in the Instagram world and so on and so forth. One of the top photographers in the world is a friend of mine. We play golf together down here at La Costa. And he'll charge the Kardashians $400,000 for two days worth of shooting. And for they'll get eight images they use. And they're coming out of the pool and it looks like this spontaneous thing or whatever else. And it was orchestrated. And I mean, he has a team of 20 people making this all happen and we're living in this world. And it's, there's an artificial world like that. There's the Instagram world that's created and my best life on display. And now we also have, I mean, I have 250 employees at one stage. We didn't occupy our four buildings for 560 days. And I found that collaboration and creativity was stifled because on Zoom, certain people were able to come across a certain way and then other people weren't. There were people who just clammed up, who had a lot to say, yeah. and people who shouldn't be talking were. So we had a lot of this. And I just think the the environment we're in, especially in this post-COVID world, it's wide open. And again, I think most people don't consider themselves charismatic. Right. They certainly don't think themselves as a charismatic communicator. And I think the timing is awesome. You talk about this thing called the charisma zone. Yes, I was kind of interested. I thought it would be a great little segue. Let's talk about that for a second.
1: By the way, you're absolutely right. We need to be charismatic now more than ever because we're so burnt out with communication. We have highlight reels on social media. We have very difficult to make authentic connections over Zoom. And so we need to be more charismatic now than ever because our charisma is contagious. And this is what's incredibly important about charismatic people, about people who hit the charisma zone. So the charisma zone is where highly charismatic people live. It's where they communicate. It's where they interact. It's where their relationships are. What researchers have found is that highly charismatic people, they are working a very specific formula. That charisma is the perfect blend of warmth and competence. That highly charismatic people, it doesn't matter if they're extroverted or introverted, if they're awkward or not. The only thing that makes someone charismatic is that at the very same time, they are cueing or signaling first warmth, trust, collaboration, openness. But at the very same time, along with that warmth, they're signaling competence, power, capability, memorability, efficiency. We love to be around people who hit that charisma zone, who hit that sweet spot of being both trusted and admired. Of being both open and reliable. And so I think that what we can think about is when we're on video, when people look at our LinkedIn profile, when we're th- with our kids, how are we going to constantly signal you can trust me and you can rely on me?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is contagious. Highly charismatic people, they cue warmth and competence and infect warmth and competence. So really powerful leaders, they walk into a room and you think, ah, oh, I belong i'm okay i'm taken care of and that makes them more charismatic too
0: this is beautiful and music to our ears so give you a little background we have a coaching company and a training company for the past 30 years we have millions of clients all over the world and we coach about 25,000 people wow. and we're about uh, you know generating referrals and becoming people's trusted advisor and stephen covey in seven habits of highly effective people used to say that trust was built on character and competence and i like this enhancement of that thought.
1: Yeah, we're just tweaking
0: it. Well, yeah. And again, at the end of the day, there's no new principles, right? right? But there's modification. The principles don't change, but the tactics do. And taking that dynamic of character and expanding it into this thought of warmth, yeah. I think gives it great feeling. It gives it great gravitas. And so that warmth and competence is what all trust is based on. And that's when people refer. That's when people will do business with you and so on and so forth. And
1: what's amazing is Covey had this right. What we have now is the research.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: we're actually just expanding on this concept of character, warmth. Warmth is vulnerability. Mm. It's openness. It's truth. It's collaboration. And what the research has found here is when we have an imbalance, that's where things get stopped up, or we get tracked. So people, for example, who are too high in competence, and this is the problem that smart people make. Yeah. So most of our students are high achievers, incredibly smart, off the charts talented, and they run into the same problem. Highly smart people, they double down on their competence. Yes. They think, I have great ideas. I don't need that warmth. And so they show up, they hit you with their ideas, they hit you with their competence, and here's what the research found. Competence without warmth, or competence without character, leaves people feeling suspicious.
0: Mm. So
1: if you don't know why you're not getting referrals, well, you're not getting loyalty, why you're not being able to close, it's because people might think, well, he has a great idea, but I just don't trust it. That mm-hmm. We cannot believe competence without warmth as a social lubricant. We have to have both.
0: Love it. I'll, I'll give you a little anecdote, yes. Irish. So we tell lots of stories. Yes, I love. So it. when I back in my 30s, some years ago, I was a real estate agent and I was serving a guy who was one of the top football players in the country. So this big giant man, six foot three, giant shoulders, er, tiny waist and everything in between rippled. <laughs> yeah. And course. he just signed the highest contract in the NFL in its history. And I'm helping him buy a home. And I say, I got to introduce you to my lender. And he goes, no, no. And he was freaked, like nervous. This this guy who's known for killing the quarterback is terrified. And so I said, Well, tell me what's going on here. Have you had a previous experience? So he met this lender who doubled down on their competence. And it's it's uh here's the rate and here's the points and here's the fees, and we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this, and one thing after another. And he's being all business like and probably intimidated by this football player. So I go, Well, tell me about this. I said, What's the underlying thing? What's going on for you? And he goes, Well, I had a Sears card in college and I kind of screwed up my credit. Now It turns out this guy never needed credit in his life. He had a giant (laughs) contract. So I introduced him to this four foot 11 in pumps lender who was the sweetest gal in the world who just came and said, just so you know, this is normal. This happens all the time. Sears used to have a strange billing cycle. And so everybody's got a credit problem with that. And just so you know, here's what the underwriter's going to do. We're going to write this simple little note. Hey, I I wrote, I had this problem in college with this Sears card. Since then, I've been squeaky clean. Everything's great. And I just signed the largest contract in the history of the NFL. (laughs) And this guy just went, (sighs) and he became a huge source of referrals for me, sending me NFL player after NFL player. Because people thought this big, tough, rough guy, he needed the warmth in order to receive the competence. He was terrified of the competence because of the underlying feeling.
1: And this is what the research says, is there is an innate human nature aspect to this that we need to have warmth to believe in competence.
0: Mm, That's brilliant. Love it. After the charisma zone, one of the things that, and again, we're, we're in shorthand, and I'm hoping to have you at a number of our events in the future, <laughs> okay, uh, Vanessa, so we can go in depth on these things. But what is the Q cycle? You talk in the book about the Q cycle. I think it's fantastic. Maybe you can talk about yes. that. Yes.
1: So this study that I'm going to share with you gave me so much relief. So as an awkward person, I'm also a social overthinker, which means I lay in bed at night and rethink every conversation that I had that day, right? It's a horrible affliction. So- Because of this, I read this study what they did is they wanted to know if cues, if spotting a negative cue changes our body, changes our physiology. So it's a very simple study. They had people walk into the lab and they flashed them a cue of social rejection. So a cue of social rejection could be an eye roll. It could be a scoff. It could even be a dismissive tone of voice. Yeah. Great idea. Now, We know as humans, cues of social rejection can threaten our social survival. So we do not like to see them. They found the moment they flashed a cue of social rejection, the participants' field of vision increased. Literally, their pupils dilated instantaneously to take in more of their environment. Because what happens if we see a cue of social rejection? Our body goes, "Uh uh-oh, what's our escape route? are more people sending a cue of social rejection. Right. And so in this way, there's actually a cycle going on. We see cues, trust cues, warmth cues, competence cues, or danger zone cues, so cues of social rejection, that actually changes our physiology. We produce cortisol or adrenaline or dopamine. Our pupils dilate. We get stronger. We get bigger. We get smaller. And then we end up sending cues to other people about how we think and feel. Mm. The problem with this is the reason that I think we get so burnt out, especially in a hybrid workplace when we're trying to communicate, is because we are constantly bombarded with negative cues and we don't know how to digest them. And those negative cues make us send negative cues back. But here's the good news. Researchers, Dr. Matthew Lieberman and his team at UCLA, they found that if they put people in an fMRI machine and they flash them a negative cue, like fear, so fear is when you raise your eyes up, you raise your eyebrows up and you go, <gasps> and you taking a deep breath? That's a fear microexpression. If they flash a fear microexpression to someone in an fMRI, they catch the fear. Their own amygdala begins to be afraid. But the moment Dr. Lieberman said, "I want you to name it. I want you to say that's fear," both vocally or internally, the activation went away. Interesting. Just naming the negative cue completely deactivates it.
0: Yeah, phenomenal. I loved uh, in your. TED talk, you did the experiment in Oregon where you were looking up yes. and everybody, everybody's standing around you looking up yes. and there's nothing going on. There's <laughs> nothing going on and you're just looking up. And so it spreads. And that we we know that if you're in a room where somebody yawns, another person yawns, and we think that's the only dynamic that takes place. The fear spreads, the joy spreads, the charisma spreads, it all spreads. And it's bizarre to me that nobody's ever talked about this like this before. I- but I agree. here we are.
1: Yeah. And here's a sort of really big challenge for, for listeners, which is I think you have a choice every day, every time you walk into a room, which is, do you want to be a force for good or do you not want to have force at all? Do you want to walk into a room and infect warmth and trust and competence and help everyone be more charismatic? We have the power to do that with very simple cue changes.
0: Mm. That's a big deal, right? So one is be able to recognize and read the room, especially you know if you're in the service business. You go into a home, you got to be able to read the people. What cues are they sending? Yes, and uh, you know, and I know you got some tips on that. But then also, what cues are we giving off? And you know, I used to have a song that I used to sing at the event, and it was you know when my kids were young. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. And so (laughs) you know, (laughs) right because people walk in and they they're working hard. That's so
1: good. Come on.
0: Right, so the people would work hard and they generate a customer and they go on an appointment, but they're reading about recessions and they're seeing this and there's bad news and they walk in, oh, I'm probably not gonna be able to sell them a house. Uh, they're a buyer, they can't find a house. And yet they give off this energy, they give off these cues that shakes people's confidence. That's it. So how can we how can we be aware of the cues we're sending out?
1: That's it. Okay, so what you're talking about is encoding. So decoding is spotting the cues on your clients and customers being able to very quickly read the room. That's one aspect of cues. The other aspect is encoding. What are the cues you're sending? So let's talk about, you actually mentioned this one that I've never heard that song. Um, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face, which is funny because I suffer from resting bothered face, which means.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <That's great. laughs> so That's at rest,
1: great. I look super bothered, right? <laughs> Even when I'm not, do you know someone with resting bothered face? <laughs>
0: oh, yes.
1: Okay, so the gal I get those- <laughs> my
0: Starbucks from every morning, every day she sees me, it's the first time she's ever met me. And she looks at me like, I would rather be anywhere else right now. But I wish <laughs> yeah. you would be somewhere else right now.
1: Yes, exactly. And you remember her because of that <laughs> resting bothered face. Yeah, I yes. do. Okay, so this is one of the fastest things that we do, especially because our face is now on zoom, right? That's the first place people tend to look after our hands, our face. Okay, so resting bothered face. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the mirror. And I want you to Make your face completely relaxed. And I want you to see what does your face look like at rest? Now, what's important about this is that research has found that resting bothered face is real. The reason for this is because of the shape of our facial features. So there's some people who have an upward face at rest. Their mouth is either neutral or angled up at rest. Their eyes are angled a little bit up or out to the side. I have the kind of face where at rest, my mouth points down, which looks a lot like sadness. So the universal expression for sadness is a frowny face. So we pull our our um corners of our mouth down into a little upside down you. Well, at rest, my face already looks like an upside down you. So people always ask me, Are you okay? Are you angry? Are you upset? And I'm always like, It's just my face. It's just my
0: face. <laughs> and this is so many people, so many miscommunications, so many marriages, so many business yeah. interactions are just somebody's faces. Is- the way it is, right? Yes.
1: So one, don't blame yourself. This is a real thing. It's just your facial features. And the second thing is you need to know what your default is. Do you look sad? Do you look angry? Do you look tired? Do you look confused? And one, you have two choices here. One is you can be very verbal about this. So I talk about this all the time, right? I go on shows and I say, just so you know, I have resting bothered face. So if I look like I'm upset, I'm not, I'm totally happy, happy to be here. (laughs) My husband He knows my resting bothered face and he knows that's just me at neutral.
0: Yep. He knows your, see, he knows your real bothered face. So he knows when you're just, you're being cool.
1: Oh yeah. And he, (laughs) he knows when I say I'm fine, I'm not fine. (laughs) Right. He knows, you know, so being very verbal about it with people in your life. Second is knowing how to counteract it. So for example, I know that at rest because my facial features, I look sad. So I know in my first impression, especially with a client or on a podcast or in a video interview or in a negotiation, I need to make sure that in the first few seconds of the interaction, I make it clear non-verbally, vocally, and verbally that I'm happy to be here, that I'm grateful, that I'm very, very uh, appreciative of their time. So I work a little harder. I dial up in those first 10 or 15 seconds to make sure I'm, I can smile if I genuinely feel like smiling, but sometimes I don't. I'm verbally using words of appreciation. So, oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm also using a happy tone of voice. So like, listen to the difference. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be here, right? Like I know I'm making sure that I'm dialing up and that way we can take control of the cues that maybe aren't working for us and making sure that we're showing people what we want them to see.
0: Because that first impression is important. I mean, that's an old school phrase. Never get a second chance. That's right. And so, I think what happens is when you make a good first impression, people then give you grace. Mm-hmm. Then that just who you are. It's how you're wired. It's okay. They they give you grace. Oh, like she's got a good attitude. She's got good energy. Yes. And they give you that grace, and then they're not focused on the features because that's not the first thing they see anymore. And you just
1: nailed it. It's exactly that. It's If you can make those first few seconds positive, it's like a lever for your entire rest of your interaction. As long as the first few seconds are positive, it's going to be way easier for the rest. And researchers actually proved that. They found that our first impressions are about 76% lasting, meaning we make 76% of our impression of someone in the first few seconds of seeing them. So if you show up positive in those first few seconds, that helps you for the entire rest of the interaction.
0: Amazing. Well, there's so much to this, and you and I could do this all day, and it's fantastic. You have three rules for practicing cues, and I think it would be just essential for us to cover those, to give people some of these how-tos. So let's dive in there if we can for a sec.
1: Yes, I would love it. So actually, you know, for this, especially for this interview, I might tweak these a little bit. Okay. The very first one I want, I want to talk about for us is you have to understand that you have a unique flavor of charisma. And this is my first rule for this because I do not want you, if you're an introvert, to fake being an extrovert. Mm. That's exhausting. So actually, what I want to think about is what is a way that you can communicate that makes you feel like your authentic self? If you are faking being outgoing or faking being an extrovert, that will be so exhausting it will come across. The very first thing is to figure out your natural flavor of charisma. Where, where does that fall? The second thing is to make sure that you are sending clusters of cues. And what I mean by this is one cue never stands alone, right? So I can try to smile throughout an entire interview, but that's only one cue. What you want to think about is how can you be congruent with your entire body? How can you make your gestures, your posture, your voice, your words all match? This is especially important in those first few seconds of a first impression, or if you're presenting or selling or pitching, that if you love your product, and you know that what you're saying is true, don't just memorize the facts. Make sure you're delivering with your entire body.
0: Right. I found it interesting that you said the very first thing that people noticed was your hands. Yes. And when I started thinking about it, I went, yeah, that's true. I never thought of that before, but it's definitely such a big deal. And people, again, forget. People forget, you did the little drill with putting your hands behind your back and people are like, what's going on here, (laughs) right? It's wild. And
1: and this is especially important in a virtual world, right? The biggest mistake I see now is that people get their face too close to their camera. And the problem is when this happens, so we have it set up where you can see our hands, you can see our gestures. A lot of the times people will zoom in so that they're um, almost a foot away from their camera. And that means they can't see their hands. So make sure in your profile photos, your camera is at least a foot and a half away from your nose. And I really mean it. Get out of measuring tape and measure the distance between your nose and the camera. It should be at least a foot and a half away so you
0: can see the gesture. You know, we do video stuff and sometimes news programs and so on and so forth. And I'm shocked sometimes at these major networks that have these pictures that couldn't be worse. This guy's looking up his nostrils. and yes. this, It's wild. And this is part of the world we live in. And it becomes so distracting you can't hear what they say. That's it. And that's really the worst, right? that's it. What would be one last little oh. practicing the cue you'd give us?
1: Okay. I, I want to, I again, I'm going to change it up. by like doing different things, which is I want you to know what your nervous tells are. I think this is an essential thing to know about yourself is what do you look like when you're nervous? So remember that we talked about, I want you to see what you look like at rest. I also want you to pay attention to what you look like when you're nervous. So here's a little activity. It's the, the a kind of final challenge. I want you to open up your phone get into a private place, turn on your video camera, just on yourself. And I want you to tell the camera two things. One is what you had for breakfast yesterday. Okay. I know that's a hard one. And two, I want you to tell me your most embarrassing story. And I want you to watch the video back. The first question is how you recall something. And I think it's important to know what you do when you're processing something that doesn't make you nervous. The second question is what you look like when you're sharing something uncomfortable And I think we should all know our nervous cues because you don't want to accidentally send those cues when you're selling, when you're pitching, when you're in first impression.
0: Well, we could do this for hours. And I'm loving this. The book is sensational. It's called Master the Secret Language of Charismatic Communication. It's cues, small signals, incredible impact. And congratulations on it. I know it's going to go great. I have five rapid-fire questions I ask everyone we've had on this show, from billionaires to sports figures to movie actors. I'm going to hit you with them. Rapid-fire, we'll finish on time and get you out of here. So here's number one. What's the single best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: Don't say yes to everything.
0: Mm, Great. Who said that to you? My mom. (laughs) Thank God for moms.
1: Thank goodness for
0: mom. What one talent or gift do you wish you possessed that you currently don't? talent or gift?
1: It's pausing time, so I could appreciate more and get more done.
0: (laughs) Wow, like it. What book has been most instrumental for you?
1: How to Win Friends and Influence People was the first time Mm. I read a book and thought, oh, we can teach communication?
0: Yep. (laughs) Well, when my home burned down in 2007, we lost over 5,000 volumes. And when we rebuilt our home, we built these huge libraries. What's the very first book I'm going to put back in here? And it was how to win friends. No. It was, I read it again for the seventh wow. time and I put it on this shelf. I had this entire room and I had one little book there and I go, well, that's a good one to start with. Um, <laughs> what one movie do you watch over and over again?
1: Oh, babies. I love that movie. The movie about the babies. I love babies. I have a four year old.
0: That's great. Okay. Last but not least, Vanessa Van Edwards. When I say the term, the good life, what does a good life mean to you? Appreciating
1: every moment, even if it's good or bad.
0: Nice. Well, this has been a great moment here for us. We've loved having you on. You've such a special spirit. I'm so glad you've worked hard at figuring out your own need to be charismatic <laughs> and communicate and work through some issues that I think we've been needing for a long time. Like I said, I'm shocked. No one's ever talked on this subject before. Uh, and here you are with research, with insight, with humor, with warmth and confidence. You've brought this whole package together and uh, we're just delighted to have you on the show today. The book is awesome. It'll help you communicate better at home, pick up cues, be aware of your own cues. It'll help you be better in sales, in support, in presentations at a dinner party. uh, You'll find that you're having better conversations than you ever had because you're not reading the (laughs) wrong signals and you're not giving off the wrong ones. So thanks for being our guest today. Vanessa, absolutely terrific. I hope you enjoyed it.
1: I loved it. Thank you so much. It was such an honor.
0: Great. Well, for someone who's been giving me the right cues for 91 years on this planet, and that's my mother, Therese Buffini, back in Dublin, and she always finishes off our podcast with a little Irish blessing. And uh, I'm going to cue you up now, Therese, to finish off our show.
1: May the road rise up
0: to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields. And the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.